Welcome to Custom D Startup Stories. We're developers of web and mobile apps. And in this podcast series, we interview our startup founder clients. We get down and dirty and hear their unique stories, how they got started and what skills they think are needed to succeed. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share. Right, okay, we'll get started, I think, shall we? You guys ready? Okay, so my name's Julie Ryan and I'm the Managing Director of Custom D. Uh, we are creators of web and mobile applications. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on this webinar and I am absolutely delighted to have two of our fantastic clients along with me. Um, I have Jen Little and Jen is the founder of a company called InSource and Tracy Austin who has founded a company by the name of Doggone. Now the three of us are quite new to this whole webinar malarkey so um, if there are a few blips and bloopers along the way I hope you will be understanding and charitable towards us novices um, but we'll be certainly doing our best to to uh, get things running smoothly. So these days I think we're seeing a lot more female tech entrepreneurs and they're emerging out of that digital native generation. Um, they don't necessarily come from an engineering or a software development background. Uh, in my experience, that actually doesn't really seem to bother them at all. Until recently, technology, the technology sector has been seen as very geeky and quite complex. Uh, but actually, if you look around the world now, you know, and look to see where the money is, um, some of the richest people in the world have actually come out of that tech sector and you know what they say, you know, money and power and suddenly it all becomes just a little bit more sexy. Uh, Tracy, Jen and I have a few things in common. Um, the first one is uh, you might be surprised to know that actually um, we are not from the digital native generation despite our youthful complexion. Um, <laughs> We are also we also have in common the fact that all three of us opted to go straight into the workforce after school, after leaving school. Uh, Tracy has of course gone on and got herself a marketing degree. So congratulations to you, Tracy, on that one. Um, but she did do that as a mature student. Um, and the the other thing that we have in common is that we find ourselves running these tech companies and grappling with all of the terminology and jargon and acronyms um, and all the gobbledygook that comes out of our amazing development team's mouths. Um, but none of us actually have a tech background at all. So Tracy and Jen, their businesses represent coincidentally the two core services that we provide here at Custom D. Uh, so Jen originally came to us. She uh, needed some assistance with um, an in-house productivity tool. So we've worked alongside Jen for a couple of years and helped her to develop that. Um, and she loved it so much that she has pivoted her whole business and now that is the business. Um, so that's really exciting to have been along that journey with, with Jen. Um, and of course, Tracy's business is, a, is an outright startup. Um, it is all about the app. We've worked with another company here in Christchurch called Smudge, um, and they have developed the mobile application, and we have worked with Tracy to build up the web backend for her. So I'm going to give it over to Jen and Tracy now. Um, they're, they're just going to give you a quick snapshot of what their businesses are or, and what they represent. 
So, Jen, do you want to get us started? Yeah, sure, Julie. So um, the InSource platform is, is the most comprehensive qualified database of lawyers in Australia and New Zealand. It contains over 30,000 real-time lawyer profiles consisting of publicly available information. And the platform was designed for HR teams and hiring partners, and it substantially reduces the time and cost involved in recruiting. The platform itself uh, enables tightly targeted direct approaches to the ideal candidates. It manages each step in the recruitment process, uh, and it also allows the user to build out pipelines, talent pipelines for their future business needs. Such an incredible tool given the, the current market um, where, well, given the market where that talent is so hard to find and tapping into those uh, that, those people is just amazing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a tool that can be used uh, in an active market, obviously, when people are actively looking for their next lawyer. Um, but equally for, for law firms right now, they can use the tool to, to find and connect with that future talent. Yeah. So that demand comes back again and the market starts to move and they need more resource. They've actually already got a pipeline built. They've already been building those relationships and having real conversations with that future talent. Yeah, awesome. So Tracy, do you want to tell us a bit about DogCon? Yeah, thanks. Um, and thanks everyone for joining us for this chat. This mm. It's great to have you along. So I'm the founder and CEO of a business called DogCon. And we're all about keeping little doggies safe and sound wherever they are. And we do this using smart technology in the form of a uh, Bluetooth tag with a free dog on app. And so we're working with councils across New Zealand and Australia to offer dog on as their official registration tag. So the councils that have rolled out with Doggone offer the tag to their dog owners. Once they purchase one, they just go into the Doggone app and they create a profile for their dog. And this allows them to have oversight of their dog's movements and also to receive any notifications. So if a member of the public sees their dog out wandering alone, um, they can send a notification and it goes straight to the owner saying when and where the dog was seen. And that is real-time intel. Um, but also if a dog owner has gone, oh my goodness, my little wee pup's missing, they can mark it as missing in the app. And any time their dog comes within 60 metres, so the dog's wearing a tag and they come within 60 metres of any phone with the app, a sighting is created and that sighting is sent anonymously and encrypted so that the dog owner can view that in their app. And they, if you like, get a breadcrumb trail of their dog's locations. And in addition to that, the councils, they get benefits in terms of having real-time intel about a dog and the ownership of that dog. So we did a rollout with uh, our first council last year, the Hutt City Council in Wellington, and uh, we reunited 624 dogs in the first year. So that was just under two a day. So the council and ourselves were absolutely thrilled with that result. Mm -hmm. As were the 624 owners, I imagine. Um, as a dog owner myself, I can attest to just how precious those four-legged little creatures are. So, yeah. Um, I was telling Tracy earlier that um, I showed or told my mother about this uh, doggone app and she was just like, well, how do I get it? How do I get it? You know, people who love their dogs want to know where they are all the time and the, the fear of losing them is quite, you know, quite real. Okay, so um, 
So, Jen, can you tell us just quickly, how, how did you find yourself where you are now? Like, how did you arrive at it? Yeah, so uh, when after I left school, I moved to Wellington actually to sing professionally. So my other life is that I am a professional singer. And uh, I ended up working in law firms in Wellington to pay for those really expensive singing lessons. Um, and I, I found that I was really fulfilled on, on the stage, but not so much in terms of my career. And I needed to find that passion and that fulfillment in terms of my career as well. So I was really fortunate. I, I fell into recruitment quite by chance, actually. And I suppose I always knew that I would work in a career with people. Um, I'm really passionate about connecting with people. That's what I love to do. It's what gets me up every morning. If I could do a full day of business development, that I'd be a very happy woman. Um, and, and so, you know, working in recruitment, I was able to do that. And uh, I spent five years working in recruitment agencies. I actually um, came into recruitment in 2008. So, the year of the GFC, I never knew the boom time that so many recruitment consultants speak of. Um, we didn't have those big entertainment expense accounts. Um, but the year that I came into recruitment, the big firms weren't recruiting. It was much like it is at the moment, actually. Firms were being very conservative. And so I found myself driving to every region. I basically got into my car and I drove to see law firms in every region across New Zealand. And really found a niche for myself, I suppose, in terms of bringing lawyers to the provinces and um, connecting lawyers that had grown up in those regions back to those regional firms. Um, and then post the GFC, there was a really high demand for lawyers and a huge shortage of them. And when I started my search and recruitment business in 2014, there was still, you know, a real shortage. Law, law firms were really, really struggling to identify good quality talent. And by the time firms engaged us to undertake a search for them, you know, they were pretty desperate. They were pretty exhausted. They were under-resourced. They'd been searching for this person for 10 months or more. They'd tried every traditional recruitment method. Um, and I suppose we were really that ambulance at the bottom of the cliff because at the time we were... Um, or JLR was the only pure search firm for lawyers. So we were really headhunting lawyers and, and trying to find and identify those lawyers for firms as they needed them. And we could see that there was just an increase in the demand on us. And we were quite small at the time. You know, this was our sort of first or second year in business. And I could see that I really needed a tool that was going to provide better and faster visibility of the legal profession to meet that demand. So um, I actually said to my husband, well, now husband, um, what am I going to do to make this demand? You know, it's just constant. There's no let up. And he said, well, it's a bit like Steve Jobs, isn't it? He wanted a thousand songs in his pocket and he created the Apple iPod and you need the legal profession in yours. And I suppose that was really the beginning, uh, Julie. Yeah. So what, what about that sort of that moment when you decided to go out of paid employment and into business for yourself, like that, that moment? I suppose, yeah, I suppose there's always a, a catalyst for everything. And, and um, I've been really fortunate to be um, shaping and building another startup um, as before, um, but as an employee, obviously, in the BDM role. And I suppose across that sort of year, I've been able to see that I 
was able to do that. I was able to grow a business. I was able to bring in revenue and bring in work and create a client base. Um, and I, I started to consult a few of my close connections and law firms and different partners and CEs. And they said, oh, we think it'd be a great idea if you went out and did this for yourself. You know, we don't know why you haven't done it sooner. And I suppose that was just the confirmation that I needed to give me that encouragement that, you know, and I've been able to see that I, I could actually generate work um, and relationships. So so that was that was the start, really. Right. Okay. Tracy, how, how did you arrive at Dogland? <laughs> <laughs> I think like a lot of kids, especially in our generation, I left school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I applied for the first job in the newspaper. That's how we applied for jobs back in the day. <laughs> and, uh, and I uh, got the job. And so I fulfilled some administrative roles in the court system, in architecture firms and in law firms, a bit like Jen. And I worked in law firms for about 20 years. And I, I loved the work. I loved the people I worked with. And I was very self-fulfilled. And and I was, like Jen had her music, I had my sport. I was very heavily involved in cycling in those days. And so my work sort of worked around my sport. But I do recall one day speaking with this amazing female senior partner at a law firm who I greatly admired. And I was shocked to learn when she told me that she had done her law degree at the age of 48 when her children had left home. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Um, it's never too late to change. And very soon after that, in fact, within two or three months, I had uh, applied to do a marketing degree and I started doing that and very fortunately uh, won a scholarship at the end of that first year for some work that I'd done. Uh, so I was able to study full time. And so it turned out that I love study as an adult, not so much when I was a, a teenager. Um, and so I uh, also did some extra papers in HR and also started working on towards a law degree. And quite quickly I went... Um, actually, I think I'm just studying for the sake of studying. I didn't want to become a lawyer, so sorry to any lawyers out there that are watching. <laughs> um, so I stopped the law degree and just focused on the marketing. And I think, um, you know, those experiences combined take you, give you the, the confidence, you know, it's just enough information and knowledge to be a little bit dangerous and to back yourself. And um, sort of pairing with that, I have uh, a couple of sons who will tell you I'm the ultimate helicopter mum and I'm all about safety first. And so I wanted to use my entrepreneurial brain to find some safety mechanisms that could be put out in the marketplace and uh, for people and for those that they love and so the idea of doggone was born. I think that's um, such an incredibly important point that you make that someone that you admired set the example for you you know and it truly um, reflects that need to see the representation of yourself out there doing the things that that maybe you might not have had the confidence to do mm -hmm. otherwise. Look, and it was really interesting. Um, I don't know that you're aware of this, Julie, but I actually bumped into that lady about a year ago at the airport. I was on my way to a meeting with the council in Auckland and I told her the story because it was her. And she was absolutely flabbergasted that she had had an impact on someone's mm -hmm. life. And so always be mindful of what you're doing and what you say to people because you might be... How cool that you got to tell her that. You no, know, I was delighted. I hadn't seen her and... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she's now a 70-something-year-old woman and she was well chuffed. So yeah, I was grateful nice. to have the opportunity to thank her personally. 
Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, Tracy, when when did it dawn on you that you were, were a tech founder? I mean, did, I mean, is it recently, or did you realise that from the outset? Yeah, no, it certainly wasn't something that I was aware of from the outset. I think, uh, you know, like I don't look, wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and and see the next Steve Jobs and go, "Well, look at me, I'm a tech founder." <laughs> Um, but I think after we, be a little bit weird too, though. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would freak my family out. Um, <laughs> but I think once we were in our first validated market trial and had uh, verification that we had a marketable product, I sort of went, "Gosh, actually, I am a tech founder. I'm not just using technology for um, for my offering." And, you know, I've created something here. But I think um, like a lot of people and certainly people that I've spoken to, you know, there are days I suffer from imposter syndrome. But, uh, you know, I like to look at it that that's not such a bad thing. I think it keeps you on your toes and you don't take things for granted. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that we all feel that kind of imposter syndrome at different times, and particularly if you're doing um, something new. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so Jen, tell me about what you have found to be the most confronting aspect of starting your own business. Oh, look, I think for me, there's probably not been one confronting aspect, Julie. I think there's probably been more of a series of events of confronting um, moments. But I suppose the first is that I'm quickly discovering that although I've built a fit-for-purpose platform for my needs and for my business, um, commercialising it for in-house recruitment teams actually requires further development and obviously a lot of ongoing expenditure as well. Working out, you know, what the user wants and what their needs are requires quite a lot of research to understand what their processes are, um, what's important for them, what are the benefits that they see, you know, how do they value it. So that, I suppose, is sort of the first thing and and something we're working on a lot at the moment with firms across both sides of the Tasman. Um, But also, I think, you know, keeping my great people and keeping them connected into the business, certainly when we started the pivot last year, because it was a hard pivot, you know, we decided to to really pivot from being a service-based business to a tech startup. And, um, the job descriptions went by the by completely. So we were literally rolling our sleeves up to do whatever it took. And there was no, uh, I guess, instruction manual to pivot a business. So often, you know, we were quite confronted by things as they came at us, you know, and they were literally staring us in the face and required some really quick decisions and actions to make things happen. Um, you know, and, and my team sort of hung in through all of that, which was just fantastic. And then this year, I suppose, you know, we had the disruption of COVID and, and then an investor approaching us. And with that investor came Sweet Equity and shareholders, the board of directors, um, which has been, I suppose, quite a shift for me because I'm used to running and operating pretty autonomously. Um, and, and then I think one of the biggest challenges more recently has been losing my identity and that's been really challenging in terms of the language and the offering and the brand that I've built over the last six years as JLR, um, our new brand for insources and development at the moment so that goes live in October but right now I have nothing to point clients to, I have no logo, no website, no business card and I think you know you you don't realise just how much of yourself is connected to a brand until you don't have one. Um, 
So that's that's all been pretty challenging. And I suppose now, you know, the realization that we're commercializing a platform, a recruitment platform in a COVID market to one of the most conservative audiences being law firms. <laughs> <laughs> so much so um you know I'm, I'm always one for the big challenge and you know yeah oh, good for you um I think that's such a uh such an underestimated switch going from um building a tool that's for you to building mm. a, a tool that's for others you mm. know and how you have to switch your brain around and think about it in a completely different way Um, having you know quite often we will have clients come to us and they think well this is a really great idea and there's nothing like this in the market um what about if we you know looked at productizing that down the road and Mm. I'm sure you can attest to just Mm. how much is involved in in making that transition Mm. Um, and and if the valid if the idea is good and it's got good validation then yeah by all means go ahead but you know don't underestimate the, the work that's involved no, and I think you just you have to look at it through a completely different lens. You know, I mean, we do do what in-house recruitment teams do, but we do it slightly differently. Um, and so I think, you know, there's a huge amount of research and you really need to listen to your clients and to really, I mean, they'll tell you what they need. So it's just about, you know, connecting with them and asking the right questions to make sure that you're actually giving them what they want. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so it wouldn't it wouldn't seem right to not address the big elephant in the room, which is COVID nineteen. Um, so I'm I'm curious to hear how you have been. Both of you have been impacted. Tracy, do you want to start on that one? Yeah, sure, thank you. Um, so look, I'm a real anyone that knows me, I'm a real fan of looking for those silver linings. Um, and I think you know, for us, we did get some silver linings out of COVID. Um, you know, we some of the things like everyone, we had to take a really extreme lateral view of our business and think about, you know, um, what could we do better? What do we need to do differently? And also, you know, what are we needing to provide our customers and our end users to meet their needs in this new environment? Because we've got to remember COVID didn't just happen to us. Yes, that's a good point. (laughs) And and, and that was certainly the case for us. And so, so we had something on the back burner we'd been thinking about, but we actually hadn't got our A into G or hadn't put the resources into doing quite a strategic analysis of it. And COVID uh, forced our hand in that regard just to think about how we can deliver our service to everyone in this new environment. But also because like everyone, you know, we're working remotely, so suddenly actually we possibly had a bit more time on our hands in terms of planning time. And I had myself in that position. I was very fortunate I was able to continue working during COVID, but I also actually had a bit more time. Maybe I was in a different environment so it allowed some, you know, big picture blue sky thinking, which we used. And so what we found is that um, the offering we had, which was smart technology with a Bluetooth tag, we now think of that as our premium product. And we're now looking at a, a, a second product line, more of a standard entry point for all dog owners in New Zealand to have access to one of the aspects of dog on service. And so we're talking to councils in New Zealand and Australia, not only about the premium product, but also about a standard product which has access to dog on free SMS service. So that's certainly been um, a real uh, benefit to us and uh, hopefully you know, it will allow more people to have access to our service to be reunited with their dogs. 
Yeah, really great that you you're looking for those those silver linings um, and a, 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 such a awesome reminder that actually this hasn't hasn't just happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know how has it affected you know our clients and actually the mm-hmm. you know, society as a whole? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jen? Have you have you had much of an impact through COVID? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, COVID has really slowed us down. There's just no question about that, Julie. I mean, we work in a recruitment market, so we've we've been absolutely affected by that. And I think, um, you know, our, our target audience has been really challenging us just to demonstrate the value that we can we can bring them in this tougher environment and climate. Um, but I think like you, Tracy, the silver lining for us was found time. I call it found time. And the last six months has really provided us with found time to really slow down a bit um, and really undertake that extensive research that I was speaking about before, you know, really talking with our clients on both sides of the Tasman to fine tune our offering and to keep it really relevant. Okay. So um, that's that's interesting to hear that both of you have looked at that opportunity versus the the downside of COVID-19. And I think that um, uh, there's been a few articles written recently that that COVID-19 has represented this acceleration for businesses, Mm -hmm. both both good and bad. So businesses that Mm -hmm. perhaps... um, have a uh, a new or interesting way of of conducting business. They're getting this propulsion forward that might have taken them a couple of years, and some businesses that actually were um, perhaps operating on a model that may not survive the test of time. You know, given more modern um, business environments, um, mm. have also seen unfortunately that same acceleration, but the other way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, so let's have a quick chat about gender, gender bias. Um, so you're a woman in business, so that puts you in the minority. Um, but also you're in the tech sector, so you you double down on that. Um, I'm I've been working in the tech sector now for seventeen odd years, um, and completely accustomed to being the only girl in the room or one of only a couple. Um, have, what sort of experiences have you had? Tracy, maybe um, want to talk about that, experiences that you've had um, being a female in business or in the workplace? Sure. Um, look, I think um, I, just recently I saw that movie Hidden Figures, so I don't know if you saw that with the, the three wonderful women who were very involved in NASA back in the 50s or 60s. So I think you know that's proof that women have been involved with technology and innovation for a long time. I just think it's a bit more visible now. And I think I'm very fortunate that I haven't been affected personally by gender bias, but I think part of that comes from, I just touched on it before, uh, my cycling background. So I would be in races with 50 men and it would be me. And so I've always been very comfortable in quite a male-dominated arena. So uh, it, it, it hasn't affected me at all, really. But the one thing that has been the challenge for me is the technology. Um, so I've been very fortunate to surround myself with absolute rocket scientists. And uh, luckily, they, you know, especially in the early days, they would do Tracy speak to bring me up <laughs> So I am now, you know, it's been a a sharp learning curve. Uh, I've loved it, but I feel very confident in my knowledge now. Um, And so, yeah, whilst I haven't really had the gender bias, I've, you know, and I think maybe some people also 
are more vulnerable to those biases, whereas I came into it from my background where that wasn't really going to be such a problem for me. But as I say, it was more the technology that was the challenge. Hmm. That's, that's, that's so funny. Um, I think both of you have had have got quite a strong relationship with Sam that works here, um, and we've talked about it before, about how good he is at, uh, I don't want to say dumbing down, but he... he, he that's right, you can say that. <laughs> he turns things, he takes uh, a very complex subject and he strips it back and he delivers it to you in a way that's digestible with our vernacular so that we understand what, what he means and understand the implica- implications of, of what it means for us in the business. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. think on that, you know, when I started out, all the tech um, people that I was dealing with, you know, that was quite a key component for me. You know, early on it was mm. recommended that I got a technology broker and I didn't want to do that mm. because I need to be the conduit between our technology and our end users. I need to be able to explain it in everyday language and if I can't explain it if I don't understand it. Oh. And so Definitely Sam and David and the rest of your team there, but also the crew at Smudge have been amazing. And, you know, they're now not having to do Tracy talk. They can do normal tech talk when I'm around, which is just... (laughs) (laughs) Have you got anything you want to add to that, Jen? Look, probably, I think, Tracy, you've covered most of it. But like you, you know, I'm the same. I've always operated in a room where the business influences the majority are male. Um, and the tech sector, you know, hasn't been any different from the legal sector where at the partner operator level, the females are still the minority. Um, I'm a member of the Rotary Club of Wellington and we've got quite a good cohort of women, but again, we're still the minority. And actually one um, experience that really springs to mind of just how this comes home again again and again is a luncheon that I attended, a business luncheon that was hosted by one of the banks in Wellington um, at the boat shed. And I remember looking around the room and registering that there was only one woman at every table of 12 you know, so there were 11 men at every table. And yeah, it was strategically placed you at the tables. There was, there was no question. There was no <laughs> in my mind that, that that was the case at all. But, you know, so I, I suppose in some ways um, I've, I'm very used to networking and doing business around the boardroom table, you know, with, um, with men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so so sort of talking about that, those technical challenges, it's very easy to um, identify what the limitations might be of not having a technical background in a technical business, um, but there is definitely opportunity there as well to bring a different perspective. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Tracy? Yeah, sure. Look, I think there's some real benefits. Here's my silver lining again. Um, There's some real benefits around not just being entrenched in one aspect of your business. And for me, the benefit for me is I get to see both sides of the fence. It gives me a holistic view. I I don't come into the fray with preconceived ideas. I can um, think about it. As I said before, I'm often the conduit between the tech side and our customers, the councils, and our end users, the dog owners. And so I think... um, 
not uh, being so entrenched in technology, but also bringing some of your past experiences, you know, like knowledge in marketing or uh, legal, intellectual property or, you know, those sorts of things. Just give you a, a round of flavour and understanding of what your users uh, would want. If I had been purely technology, I might have just been too narrow, I would have had my blinkers on, and I might not have taken into account enough of, of what our end users are wanting from our product. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a different perspective, like not having a technical background myself, I, I often find there is some benefit in not having a technical person mm. from our team in the room, because things can, particularly if, if a client or whoever is in the meeting brings someone technical with them, the, the uh, propensity for that to launch into a very technical conversation rather than keeping it a business strategy level um, is quite high. Mm. Mm, mm. So, Jen, um, now that you're in the tech sector and you're a tech buff, you know, what is it about the tech sector that you actually have come to enjoy? Is there anything? Oh, oh there's, so, there's so much. I mean, I, I think that the tech sector is it's a really, really exciting place to be. Uh, you know, I'm, um, I've always been at the forefront of transformation myself, and I love that the tech sector, you know, really disrupts to bring about good change. Um, I think it's creating really intelligent software experiences for the user and it's simplifying and often eliminating some of those really unnecessary and time-consuming processes. Um, but I think it's also giving business owners their time back and obviously reducing cost on the, on the bottom line as well, which is helpful for us all. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's a, 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 another great point that the improvement that we're bringing to people's lives through through technology um, is quite astounding, actually, mm. Um, mm. and it's exciting to 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 be in it, you know, and to see that opportunity. Mm. Just on that, Julia, I just wanted to add. You know, we live in this world of immediacy. Everyone yes. is amazing, and they yes. want. To, and you know, for us, that's a key benefit of. Mm. of is people aren't having to wait for a phone call from the animal shelter in five hours' time and all the stress and street pounding. They mm. can make an active decision to go and do something. They've got a tool now that gives them immediate information, and I think that's mm. where technology is exciting. You know, it, it enables people, whereas perhaps before they didn't have that ability to be enabled. So, yeah. Mm. Um, from 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 time to time, I freak our development team out um, by spouting something or understanding something or uh, questioning something in an intelligent way um, on a technical topic, and they're sort of, oh. <laughs> and then I'll come away from that and I'll go, oh, well, actually, know some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you had that experience where you sort of you know stuff comes out of your mouth and you sort of. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's certainly, you know, project creep and bugs and automation and value-based pricing and, you know, all of these phrases and terms that were once extremely foreign five years ago and probably got a blank look every time Sam talked to me about something, you know, hopefully now he knows that I'm I'm up there with him and, and the best of them in terms of understanding what they're saying and, and the terminology speak as it is. Um, but I think the other really neat thing that um, I've experienced through working with Sam and Custom D have been the amazing communication channels that we've been using which in professional services you don't use so much so programs like 
Slack and um, Trello boards and all of those sorts of things have been really important in, in terms of being able to communicate back and forward because there's so much communication and so much that can get risk being lost if you're not across it 100%. So that's been, you know, that's really enabled us to to manage the project a lot better too. Well, that sort of really buys into what Tracy was talking about in terms of that immediacy of, of information, mm. doesn't it? Um, you know, Slack is more like sort of, you know, text back and forth, you know, yes, and Trello yeah. is sort of updating, you know, project management on the fly mm. and you can see it mm. all happening in real time. Um, and that's the sort of, you know, that instant feedback that, that we're becoming more and more accustomed to. Yeah, constant tracking, you know, and I mean, the InSource platform does the same thing. I mean, in seconds, you can see who those lawyers are and where they are. And if they've made a move since yeah. you last them on a research list, you can see where they are now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. That sort of rapid information. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, Tracy, so can you tell me what would you say you are most proud of? Well, that's quite easy. Um, <laughs> Having a uh, commercially viable product, we're out there on the market, we're doing the doing. You know, I get daily phone calls and emails from dog owners saying, oh, my God, we've found our dog. Thank you so much. And, you know, for me, that's the emotional pride uh, and that's very strong. On the business side, uh, I'm super, super proud. We've just received a registered patent. Uh, for our reporter wandering dog service of our app and I can tell you they put the flowers are behind you right those are congratulatory flowers (laughs) my lovely husband sent me some flowers earlier in the week (laughs) that was really sweet Um, and I can tell you for a fact they do not hand out patents like lollies at the Mm. corner dairy Uh, it's a very long-winded process it's been an 18 month task Uh, many 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 pages of documentation Um, but it's just testament to the hard work we've done and, and we're beyond delighted to have that. Uh, we also have an innovation patent uh, in Australia and they're all really important steps in us reaching our mission of keeping dogs safe and sound. And with the reporter wandering dog feature, we really wanted um, to create something that enabled a whole of community response to keep dogs at home safe and sound rather than ending up in the animal shelters. And and we've done that. And and when you create a, a patient or innovate, you know, invent something, you know, you've got to prove that's an invent that's an inventive. You have to prove that it's unique and that there's no other in the world. So we are, as I say, we're really delighted to have that and uh, yeah, super proud. Mm. Yeah, well that's a huge mm. congratulations to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Huge. Yeah, what an achievement. Yeah. So early in your business too. So awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, we were really, really stoked. So on the flip side of that, Jean, what would you never do again? Oh, look, I think um there are many things I wouldn't do again, but I, I think um I think if I perhaps if I spin it the other way and say if I did do it again, um I would engage a tech project manager. Um, to be that go-between, to take my vision and to be able to really articulate that to the developers of their terminology tech speak, um, the toolkit, the tech toolkit that I now have, but I didn't back then. And I think, um, you know, I think that would have been really helpful Um to me, while also trying to build my search and recruitment business to manage a project of this scale. Um yeah. 
But there are, pro- there are probably many things I, I wouldn't do again. Um, but there have been some really, really tough decisions that I've had to make, you know, and pivoting um, was was certainly one of those. I mean, it was incredibly painful to pivot um, and then to find ourselves in a COVID market as well. That was, that was particularly tough. Um, and, you know, I mean, somebody said to me um, a little while ago, be brave and be brave. And and I thought, you know, that's just another challenge in the growth of being a founder and a managing director. There are decisions, you know, I'm not going to, that I'm going to make that might not make me popular with everyone. Um, and there are also things that I won't necessarily get right, you know, because the, the first time decisions that I'm making and, you know, I'm new to all of this as well. So it's huge learnings. Yeah. Um, learn by doing you become a lot wiser through some of those challenges and decisions and mistakes that you make along the way and you learn from them yeah. um, you grow and I mean I guess another um, example of growth for me this year has been working through a shareholders agreement my goodness they can be big documents and they're quite confronting <laughs> you wonder what you're signing your life away to but um, again you know growth and development which um, which is great do you think that if you had taken on um, a someone in that technical lead capacity on your behalf, you would feel as empowered as you are now and have the depth of understanding around your entire business? No, I think probably not um, because, you know, you have to trust these people, right, and they're experts at what they do and so you'd probably hand the reins over to them much more so, whereas I've been literally living and breathing every decision that's been made, every aspect of the development and how that looks and making sure that it's beautiful um, and that it's really simple for the user, you know, I've painfully been across every aspect of that and I'm a perfectionist so Sam has probably felt the pain <laughs> of, of being a perfectionist yeah yeah just reading what Jen's saying I think also you know I'm guessing a lot of the people watching today are female and I think you know one thing if I had a regret is a couple of times I haven't listened to my intuition my gut instinct mm-hmm. and I think it's a force to be reckoned with you know woman it's a very strong part of our being and I think we mm-hmm. should listen to it more and I had a couple of occasions um, throughout the journey that uh, perhaps someone had said you know they, they sowed a, a seed of doubt in my mind and whilst they were uh, very astute business people uh, in the broader sense, did they have a true understanding of my business or mm. did they have a true understanding of insource? And, and so I think, Jen, you know, it's really good whilst it's very painful and hard and mm. it's lots of long hours. Um, mm. You know, I think uh, us women need to back ourselves. We need to listen to our intuition and, and just keep our finger on the pulse. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, um, uh, now, I know that you have both faced, you know, different challenges along the way. Um, what is it, Tracy, you think it is about you that um, makes you carry on and persist in the face of adversity? Am I allowed to say I'm... Cycling background? <laughs> am I allowed to say I'm really, really stubborn? <laughs> um, okay, that's an easy answer again. For me, it's my absolute belief in doggone. You know, we're already doing the doing. We're proving uh, that we're helping and and have helped and will continue to help dogs, their owners, and the community as a whole, you know, and keeping dogs safe and sound and keeping the community safe and sound. And I think, um, look, 
I just don't want to be that person that gave up that bit too soon. Yeah. And a couple of times in the past, I've kind of gone, oh, but my goodness, you know, we're at a place now, it would never happen because, you know, we're already underway. But I think, you know, just hanging in there, taking some good advice, but backing yourself. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jen? Yeah, I think I've always thrived in the face of adversity and personally and professionally. And I think my referees would say that I'm incredibly tenacious and and they have done over the years. And I think that probably also translates as being incredibly persistent and often painfully persistent. Um, I'm pretty unstoppable, uh, especially when I'm passionate about something that I believe in. And I think like you, Tracy, I really, you know, there's there's just no question. I believe in the in-source platform. Um, I'm deeply connected to the legal profession and yet I need this platform and I know that the the law firms need this platform and I think you know going back to one of your earlier questions um you know I was able to be um I suppose the beta client in my business for this platform so because because I'm not a tech developer and I'm a recruiter I, I knew the functionality that this platform needed uh, I knew the problem that I wanted to solve but I was also able to prove the concept in my own business by using the platform for 12 months for every search engagement um, and we were able to further refine the platform as we used it so I think that was you know that's been in- incredibly helpful um, and all the way through we've just been able to see its value. Mm. Yeah, well, what better validation is there than, than having used both of you, you know, having a dog and, you know, worrying about where they are and are they safe um, mm-hmm. and and using the tool yourself for the exact purpose that it's designed. So, yeah, the, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. great to see that actually it's that belief that kind of gets you through the tough times. But have mm-hmm. there been times, Jen, when you've gone, ah, too hard, this is too hard? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think there have been many, many times of self-reflection, Julie, and, um, you know, particularly last year when we pivoted, because that required huge amounts of adaptability, huge sacrifice, and it really was excruciatingly painful. Um, And I think if I could, you know, could encourage others, if they were pivoting, I would probably advise them just to go a little bit softer, you know, and a bit slow. Um, because we went hard and fast, and uh, and that that had to happen, and it, you know it was a good decision to go go from being a service based business to a tech business with service as an additional offering. Um, but it it was really challenging, and um, you know I think now that we're on the other side of that pivot, I've got the most incredible team. They're all really engaged and, you know, they're really dedicated. They want to see the law firms sign up to this platform as much as I do and they want this to be a success as much as I do. So, you know, it's um, it's been really encouraging and exciting to see what was originally my vision become everybody else's vision. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a shared vision, you know, and we're all... Um, collectively growing the vision and where this platform can go. Well, that's a sort of testament to your leadership then really, isn't it, that, that you're able to take people on that that journey with you um, and get them to kind of buy into what you see in the future of, uh, of InSource. Um, mm-hmm. How about you, Tracy? Big moments of... <laughs> There are moments, my goodness, uh, absolutely. Year one, probably two-thirds of my days, I was going, oh, my God, this is just 
is this worth it? It's so hard. Mm. Versus a third where I'm going, oh my God, this is amazing. We've got <laughs> a fantastic product and we're going to meet our vision and it's, you know, and it was all happy days. Mm. Um, but I, I got some really good advice very early on. Um, and it was about popping on a metaphorical backpack. And it's something that I use every day. And I've used it for mm. the last couple of years. And every issue or challenge or opportunity are in the shape of a rock different sizes depending on their value and you pop them in your backpack and you've got to carry that backpack around all day every day and so whilst it's good because it gives you a holistic view of of all your opportunities and your challenges and and what life looks like in your business you sure as heck want to get the heavy rock out first and so (laughs) it really it really gives you a tool to focus and critique what are the important things for your business and for you right now. And I still, to this day, I've been doing this for a couple of years, every Sunday, the last Sunday of every month, I take my laptop and I go into a quiet room, the family leaves me alone, and I have these folders, I call them my Big Rock folders, they're files on my laptop, and I have one for every aspect of my business, so IP, hardware, database, app, marketing, the whole lot. And I go through my big rocks for that part of my business every month. And I check them off every week. And I do not get to the end of the month without putting a line through every single thing. And it's a really valuable tool just to keep me focused. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like gives you a timeline and you and it's part of your planning process. But it must it must stop that sort of procrastination. You know, sometimes those those tasks that feel too big or too hard you know, it's very easy to kind of just push them away and, and do and tick off all those little things, you know, answer yeah. a quick email, fi- do a bit of filing of things or, you know, there's little distraction tasks that actually are your mechanism for putting off those big hairy don't get get me wrong I procrastinate with the best of people (laughs) but uh you know I know this is impending and so I go oh I've got a date with myself this Sunday where am I listening you know and so it just keeps you on task but it's a it's a really good tool just to help you stay focused with what's happening and and I'm delighted to say that when it was two-thirds to a third last year we're probably at about 90 percent yay this year (laughs) oh my god but business ownership, I think, is this this incredible roller coaster, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like today, you're you're up on a high, and tomorrow, you know, someone drops you off the side of a cliff. You know, it's, um, yeah. you know, and you spend all your time. I think I, I put a post on LinkedIn a while ago. It's sort of you know how to even out your responses to both. You know, when mm. you those those big up moments, it's okay. Well, this is a good thing now. You know, and enjoy that. Um, mm. But you know, almost don't celebrate too much. <laughs> um, and then on, on the flip side, when something bad happens or when you get some unfortunate news or something along those lines, it's like, well, okay, well, that's what's happening today. We need to deal with that, but then move on from that as well. Yeah. I think that's what's so great about your analogy, Tracy, as well. I mean, it's it's such a great tool for keeping perspective, isn't it? And, you know, I mean, I wished I'd had that backpack and those rocks. <laughs> I had plenty of rocks last year and uh, to, to un- unload off the backpack. But I also think, you know, there have been times in the last five years where it's really hard sometimes to see the wood for the trees because, you are working every hour and you are tired and, you know, your mind might be sharp as a tape, but your body's telling you it's tired. And I spent, you know, the best part of the last six years pre-COVID 
up until the end of February, where I've had most years a minimum of 58 flights a year. So there have been weeks where my feet have barely touched the ground before I'm sitting on the runway for takeoff again, um, you know, servicing firms both sides of the Tasman. And, and when you are getting maybe four, five, six hours sleep a night, and they might be good hours sleep, but you, you, you're you're running on adrenaline, I think, and um, having a tool like that to keep the perspective and to unload those rocks would, well, yeah. something I'm going to take from today and take it on yeah. in, my, in my journey. And yeah. I think, I'm sure there's probably a number of people that will... Yeah. Sorry, just adding on to that, Jen, you know, it sounds so simple. Mm. You know, the days that you were saying, Julie, where you've been dropped off a cliff and you're just, mm. oh, my God, a good night's sleep. Mm. Put things into context. But, you know, when you're doing 20-hour days and you are, fo- you know, functioning on four-hour sleep, you're not thinking straight. And sometimes it's really painful to do because you're going, oh, my God, I've got so much to do. Mm. Sometimes you just have to shut the office door, step away, and just give it a night and <laughs> fresh eyes the next day. And, you know, I found that really, really, really challenging in the early days. Mm. And then, uh, you know, one of my business colleagues actually rang my husband and said, we want you to go and lock Tracy's office at 8 o'clock. <laughs> open it at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. And I, I felt like you'd cut my arm off. But actually, <laughs> it was the best thing he could have done because it gave me a chance to... Recharge, you know, yeah. Recharge, reflect, actually, you know, think straight the next mm. day, and then I tackled that problem so much better. Yeah. Mm. So we're sort of running out of time now, but I, I do have one final question for both of you, um, and that is: Can you tell me what success looks like for you? When will you go? I've made it. Mm. Do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I think more immediately, I think it'd be great. We'd just be so thrilled and excited to see every firm of every size and scale across Australia and New Zealand take up the platform. But I think ultimately we can see that the platform can roll out into other sectors, professional service sectors as well. Um, And we'd really like to see that go global. But I, I think, you know, bringing a platform to the market that ultimately will help firms take control of their recruitment and enable hiring managers to make the best appointments that they can based on good information that's up to date. Um, That's really exciting. That gets us excited. Yeah, so that really sort of speaks to purpose, doesn't it? Why are you doing this? That's right. And I think just secondary to that, you know, as, as a service business, I've been the business. And I think, you know, that the opportunity here to be able to build something that goes beyond me and ideally, you know, even beyond New Zealand is is just really thrilling. Yeah. Nice. Gracie, how about you? Yeah, so for us it's simple. It's just to have every dog in New Zealand wearing a dog on tag. You know, um, it's over half a million dogs in New Zealand. Uh, One in every three households have a dog. You know, that's a lot of people's lives to be touching. But actually, you know, going on recent uh, good news that we've been getting out of councils in Australia, I'm now going to change that. I'm going for the big blue sky. And (laughs) I'm going to say a dog on registered tag on every dog one day in New Zealand and Australia. That would be the ultimate success. Yeah. Mm Mm. Yeah, well, there's, there's, uh, yeah, I can, I, I, as, a, as, a, as I've said, you know, if anything happened to my little Basil, I would be thrilled to know <laughs> that there's a wee app that's going to follow him around the neighbourhood while he's, uh, you know, visiting. 
And Tracy, our, our beautiful lab, Millie, did end up in, at the pound. We were absolutely distraught one afternoon. We had radiators being put into our old house and uh, Millie was a puppy at the time and decided to bravely take her self off for a walk, a good long walk, and, and we did get that call. So having, you know, the opportunity to have a tag that knows exactly where she is would just be brilliant. It was kind of like a cheap insurance policy, I think, these days, because there's not only the, the guilt and the emotional side oh. of being out there, <laughs> there's the cost. And we all know we're in a post-COVID world and money isn't flying around. So, no. yes. Cheap insurance policy. So I'll, <laughs> I'll hook you up, Jen. Good. <laughs> so just on that, so... Um, when people have asked me about dog on, I have suggested that they contact their local council. Is this kind of the best way to create that demand via the user if, if the user is ringing their councils, you know, yeah. and ask for dog gone? Thanks, Julia. I really appreciate that. So there's a couple of things, you know, absolutely speak to your local animal control team at council is fantastic or your local councillors. But also just hook onto our website, www.doggone.co.nz and click on that register your interest and uh, we'll be happy to send you out a, a test tag to trial out and see how you find it. Fantastic. Okay, well that sort of brings us right to the end of our time. It's been Absolutely thrilling to to talk to both of you, and thank you so much for um, being my first ever webinar. People, <laughs> um, it's been a great chat. Actually, I've really enjoyed it, and it's um, some great little pieces of advice and really interesting stories from you both. Um, so, thank you very much for that. Um, for the people that have been listening, and um, we will be sending that video link out along with the slides. Um, and we will also be sending out some contact information around both InSource and Doggone, so uh, feel free to um, click around and have a look. Okay, well, I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for to both of you, and uh, no doubt we'll be seeing you soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks to everyone that joined yes. us this afternoon. That was fantastic. Great to have Thank you Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Startup Stories. If you enjoyed it, then you should probably subscribe. And you can even check out some of the other inspiring stories of everyday people who are driven by passion and belief to see their dream become reality. Or if you're in need of a little or not so little technical help, then head on over to customd.com and get in touch.